1: Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Thompson Reuters Q2 2021 Earnings Call. My name's Sue, and I'm your event manager. During the presentation, your lines will remain on listen only. If you need assistance at any stage, please key style zero and then operate or be happy to assist you. I'd like to advise all parties the conference has been recorded for replay purposes. And now I'd like to hand over to Frank Golden, Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
2: Good morning and thank you for joining us today for our second quarter 2021 earnings call. I'm joined today by our CEO, Steve Hasker and our CFO, Mike Eastwood, each of whom will report our results and will take your questions following our presentation. To enable us to get to as many questions as possible, we would appreciate it if you would limit yourselves to one question each, and one follow-up when we open the lines. Throughout today's presentation, when we compare period, performance period on period, we discuss revenue growth rates before currency, as well as on an organic basis. We believe this provides the best basis to measure the underlying performance of the business. Now, today's presentation contains forward-looking statements and non-IFRS financial measures. Actual results may differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties related to the COVID-19 pandemic and other risks discussed in reports and filings that we provide from time to time to regulatory agencies. You may access these documents on our website or by contacting our Investor Relations Department. Let me now turn it over to Steve Hasker.
3: Thank you, Frank. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. Before I speak to our performance for the quarter, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the loss of our much-loved colleague and outstanding Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Dhanesh Siddiqui. Danish was tragically killed while on assignment in Afghanistan last month. The impact of his loss has been significant for all of us, especially his Reuters News colleagues, and we will continue to honor his memory.
4: Thank you for your respect and acknowledgement of Danish's passing. Now, we'll move to our financial performance for the second quarter. I'm pleased to report the momentum
3: we saw in the first quarter accelerated in the second quarter. Our strong performance was above our expectations and positions us well for the second half of the year. This strong performance reflects several things. First, the solidity of our franchises, our must-have products, and our market positions second the strength of the information services market itself which is presenting us with opportunities to expand our positions and further accelerate growth third the realization and conviction by our customers that they need to reapportion their spend towards our products and solutions that can fit their workflow and drive growth and productivity and finally customers have growing confidence in both an improving economic environment and their own future prospects. So we're pleased with our first-half performance, which increases our confidence in our prospects for the second half of the year and for 2022. Now to the results. Prevailing tailwinds are playing to our strengths and contributing to strong revenue and sales growth. The second quarter's total company organic revenue growth of 7% was the highest in over a decade. And the big three businesses also grew at 7%. This revenue growth was mirrored by strong sales growth across the company as customers position themselves to meet expected demand. We also continue to execute aggressively on our change program and achieved run rate savings of $90 million as of June 30th. The program is on track, and we will continue to ramp it up in the second half. Given this strong first-half performance, we are raising our full-year guidance. We now forecast total company organic revenue growth between 4% and 4.5%. And organic revenue growth for the big three of between 5.5% and
5: 6%.
3: Total company EBITDA margin is forecast to range between 31% and 32%. And the big three EBITDA margin is now forecast to be approximately 39%. And free cash flow is now expected to range between $1.1 and $1.2 billion. Lastly, today we announced a new $1.2 billion share buyback program. If we are able to complete the buyback program this year, we will have returned over $2 billion to shareholders in 2021, including dividends. Second quarter reported revenues were up 9% with organic revenues up 7%. Revenue growth was solid for each business segment including strong growth from our Latin American and Asia and emerging markets businesses, which grew organically more than 20% and 10% respectively. Adjusted EBITDA increased 5% to $502 million, reflecting a margin of 32.7%. Excluding costs related to the change program, the adjusted EBITDA margin thirty five point four percent this strong performance resulted in adjusted earnings per share of forty eight cents compared to forty four cents per share in the prior year period turning to the results for the segments as I mentioned the big three achieved organic revenue growth of seven percent for the quarter a very strong performance Legal's second quarter performance was impressive with organic revenue growth of 6%, the highest quarterly growth since 2008, and building on 5% growth for the first quarter. The U.S. legal market is quite healthy, particularly in small law, where sentiment continues to be strong as, as attorneys anticipate solid demand over the next 12 months. This strong growth isn't isolated to small law; it's across the business, small, mid, and large firms, government, and across our product lines and geographies. A few examples: first, Westlaw Edge continues to achieve strong sales growth, and ended the quarter at 57% ACV penetration, compared to 52% at year-end 2020 we continue to forecast an acb penetration rate between 50% between 60% and 65% by year end second practical law as reported in the legal segment continues its strong performance growing double digit we forecast similar growth going forward and we continue to invest in this key growth initiative Third, our government business, which is managed within our legal segment, continues to see good momentum and grew 8% organically. We forecast government's growth to accelerate in the second half of the year. And fourth, fine law and our businesses in Canada, Europe and Asia all grew mid to upper single digit in the quarter. Finally, legal also achieved very strong sales for both the quarter and half year recording double-digit recurring sales growth reflecting the strength and health of the legal market and our customers willingness to spend turning to the corporate business organic revenues grew 4% we forecast revenues will accelerate in the second half of the year with healthy growth expected from our direct and indirect tax businesses risk the legal products sold into corporates and from Europe Latin America and Asia and emerging markets. Tax and accounting's organic revenues grew 15%, benefiting from a 43% increase in transactional revenues, primarily driven by the year over year timing of individual tax filing deadlines. Recurring revenue growth was also strong at 9%. Reuters News' organic revenues grew 6% in the quarter, a very good performance driven by the professionals business including strong Reuters events growth as it begins to recover from the negative impact from COVID-19 in 2020 and global print organic revenues also grew 6% partly due to an easier prior year comparable but also attributable to a gradual return to office by our customers and higher third-party revenues in summary It was a very strong quarter, and our businesses are in a solid position. But we take nothing for granted, and we still have much hard work to do in executing our change program. With this in mind, I would like to express my gratitude to our employees, our colleagues, for a strong first-half performance, which will allow us to intensify our investments in the health and growth of our businesses, enabling us to further support our customers' In the second half and into next year a final point before i turn it over to mike the increase in our full year 2021 organic revenue guidance puts us on a path to exceed our pre covid 2019 organic revenue growth rates for both total company and the big three and it also increases our confidence to achieve our 2023 revenue growth target of five to six percent our confidence is also increasing as our legal business is now achieving 5% plus organic growth. We believe legal has multiple levers to pull to drive organic growth to between 5 and 6% by 2023. And the corporate segment is expected to build on its first half 2021 results over the balance of this year. We continue to forecast organic growth for corporates between 7% and 9%. By 2023. And we forecast tax and accounting will achieve solid organic revenue growth this year and be able to achieve the growth of 6% to 8% by 2023. So, in closing, <laughs> we're working to transform Thomson Reuters into a leading content driven technology company. We're making good progress, but we still have much to accomplish. We're off to a strong start and we're confident that 2021 is setting the foundation to position us to be able to consistently and sustainably drive strong operating and financial performance that builds value for our customers, colleagues, and shareholders for the long term.
6: Let me now hand it off to Mike, who will discuss the second quarter's results in detail. Thank you, Steve, and thanks for joining us today. As a reminder, I will talk revenue growth before currency and on an organic basis. Let me start by discussing the second quarter revenue performance of our big three segments. Organic revenues and revenues at constant currency were both up 7% for the quarter. This marks the fourth consecutive quarter, our big three segments have grown at least 5% and represents the highest growth for our big three segments in over a decade. Legal professionals' revenues increased 7% and organic revenues were up 6%. Recurring organic revenue grew 6%, and transaction revenues increased 14% due to our Westlaw, practical law, and government businesses. Please note 60% of practical law's revenues are recorded in the legal professional segment, and 40% is recorded in the corporate segment. Westlaw EDGE continued to contribute about 100 basis points to legal's organic revenue growth while continuing to maintain a healthy premium. And EDGE has now been adopted by all U.S. federal government courts and by courts in 44 states. Our government business, which is reported within legal and includes much of our risk-frauding compliance offerings, had a strong quarter with total revenue growth of 10% and organic growth of 8%. In our corporate segment, total and organic revenues increased 4%, led by recurring organic revenue growth of 5%. Transactions organic revenue grew 1% due to a difficult prior year comparison when 4 million of one-time clear revenue was recorded and did not reoccur this year. We forecast corporate revenue to accelerate in the second half of the year. And finally, tax and accounting's total and organic revenues grew 15%. Growth was driven by the Latin American businesses, audit solutions which includes confirmation and a 43 percent increase in transaction revenues resulting from the year-over-year timing of individual tax filing deadlines. I will remind you last year pay-per-return revenues shifted from the second quarter to the third quarter. Normalizing for this timing, organic revenues for tax and accounting were
4: up 10 percent in Q2. Moving to Reuters News, Total and organic revenues increased 6
6: percent, primarily due to our professional business which includes quarters events. This performance was slightly better than we had anticipated. And global print total and organic revenues increased 6 percent in the quarter. This performance was better than expected, driven by higher third-party revenues for printing services and a gradual return to office by our customers. Despite this higher performance, we still forecast full-year revenues to decline between 4% and 7%. On a consolidated basis, second quarter total and organic revenues each increased 7%. Before turning to profitability, let's look closer at recurring and transaction revenue results for the second quarter. Starting on the left side, total company organic revenue for the second quarter of 2021 was up 7% compared to a 2% decline in the second quarter of 2020 due to the impact of COVID-19. If we look at Q2 2021 performance for the big three, you will see organic revenues increase 7%, a strong performance and well above the 2% performance in Q2 2020. Total company recurring organic revenues grew 5% in Q2, 210 basis points above Q2 2020, and the big three recurring organic revenues grew 6%, which was above last year's second quarter growth of 4%. Turning to the graph in the bottom right of this slide, transaction revenues were up significantly year-over-year as the second quarter of 2020 was impacted by COVID-19, which affected our implementation services and the Reuters Events business. We continue to remain encouraged by the momentum in 2021, especially for recurring revenues, given us confidence
4: in the trajectory of the business and the sustainability of higher revenue growth beyond 2021. We are also providing guidance for the third quarter, given the various impacts related
6: to COVID-19. Starting with the total TR chart on the top left, we estimate third quarter total and organic revenues will grow between 3.5% and 4%. The Big Three total in organic revenues are forecast to grow between 5% and 5.5% in the third quarter. Big Three growth will be slightly depressed due to the timing of tax and accounting's paper return revenues in 2020 that shifted $6 million from Q2 to Q3 due to the delay in the tax filing deadline. We forecast third quarter revenue growth of low single digit for tax and accounting. On a normalized basis, we expect revenue growth of mid single digit for tax and accounting. Moving to Reuters News, we forecast third quarter total and organic revenues to grow between 2% and 3%, driven by all Reuters News business lines. Finally, Global print third-quarter revenues are expected to decline between 5% and 8%
4: and we forecast full-year revenues to decline between 4% and 7% turning to our profitability performance in the second quarter adjusted EBITDA for the
6: big three segments was 487 million up 14% from the prior year period And the related margin increased 180 basis points due to strong margin improvement across each of the segments the strong EBITDA margin improvement for each of the three businesses was driven by higher revenue growth and a benefit from 2020 cost savings initiatives
4: i will remind you the change program operating costs are recorded at the corporate level moving to borders news Adjusted EBITDA was $35 million,
6: $10 million more than prior year period, driven by revenue growth, 2020 cost savings initiatives, and timing. Global print's adjusted EBITDA was $56 million, with a margin of 37.9%, a decline of about 260 basis points due to higher costs, and the dilutive impact of lower-margin third-party print revenue. So, in aggregate, total company adjusted EBITDA was $502 million, a 5% increase versus Q2 2020. The increase resulted in higher revenues partially offset by change program costs, which I will address in a moment. The second quarter's adjusted EBITDA margin was 32.7% and was 35.4%
4: on an underlying basis excluding costs related to the change program. This slide provides more granularity regarding our expectations for our reported adjusted EBITDA margin
6: for the full year 2021. For the first six months, total company adjusted EBITDA margin was 34.1 percent and the big three segments adjusted EBITDA margin was 40.5 percent. On an underlying basis, excluding change program cost, total company adjusted EBITDA margin was 35.7%. And as Steve mentioned, we are increasing our full year total company guidance for adjusted EBITDA margin to a range of 31% to 32%, and for the big three segments to approximately 39%. And while first half performance is impressive, we continue to recommend you assess our adjusted EBITDA margin on a full-year basis as we expect the margin to decline in the second half for several reasons. First, we expect to increase our investment in the change program, which will have a negative impact of between 150 to 200 basis points for the total company. Second, we forecast additional business-as-usual investments outside of the change program in advance of 2022 for example we will invest more in go-to-market initiatives enterprise technology and data and analytics capabilities this will dilute the margin between 150 and 200 basis points for the total company and between 200 and 250 basis points for the big three segments and finally Savings from the change program are forecast to provide a benefit to total company and Big 3 adjusted EBITDA margin of 100 to 150 basis points. We believe we have good visibility into the levers at our disposal to achieve our updated full year margin guidance and are confident in our ability to achieve our target of 31% to 32%.
4: Now, let me turn to our earnings per share, pre cash flow performance, and change program cost.
6: Starting with earnings per share, adjusted EPS was $0.48 per share versus $0.44 per share in the prior year period, a 9% increase. The increase was mainly driven by higher
4: adjusted EBITDA. Currency had no impact on adjusted EPS in the quarter. Let me now turn to our free cash flow performance for the first half. Our reported
6: free cash flow was $618 million versus $340 million in the prior year period, an improvement of $278 million. Consistent with previous quarters, this slide removes the distorting factors impacting free cash flow performance. Working from the bottom of the page upwards, the cash outflows from discontinued operations component of our pre-cash flow was $36 million more than the prior year period. This was primarily due to payments to the UK tax authority related to the operations of our former
2: refinitive business.
6: Also in the first half, we made $28 million of change program payments as compared to refinitive-related separation costs of $76 million in the prior year period. So if you adjust for these items, comparable free cash flow from continuing operations was 692 million, 311 million better than the prior year period. This increase primarily due to higher EBITDA, favorable working capital movements and dividends from our interests in LSAG. Now, an update on our change program costs for the second quarter and the rest of 2021. Let me start by saying none of the annual estimates have changed from what we provided last quarter for the full year. Spend in the second quarter was within the range provided last quarter at 71 million, including 41 million of OPEX plus 29 million of CAPEX. This brings the first half total spend to 91 million. We now anticipate spending between 210 and 260 million in the second half, OpEx plus CapEx. Spend is forecast to step up related to cloud migration, streamlining internal systems, third party contractors to support the change program, and higher capital expenditures. For the full year, we expect change program spend, OpEx plus plus CapEx to be at the lower end of the range of $300 million to $350 million. And there is no change in the anticipated split of about 60% OpEx and 40% CapEx.
4: We will continue to provide quarterly updates on our change program spend as we move through the year. Now,
6: an update on our run rate change program savings for the second quarter. In the second quarter, we achieved $71 million of annual run rate operating expense savings. This brings the total annual run rate operating expense savings up to $90 million for the change program. We are currently on track with our run rate savings expectations. As a reminder, we anticipate operating expense savings of $600 million by 2023 while reinvesting 200 million back into the business for a net savings of 400 million. We will continue to provide quarterly updates on our annual run rate change program savings as we
4: move through the year. And as Steve outlined, today we increased our full year outlook for revenue growth,
6: margin and free cash flow, which is reflected on the slide. Lastly, we reaffirmed the balance of our full year 2021 guidance as well as our 2022 and 2023 guidance previously provided. And we remain confident in achieving the targets for all metrics.
2: Let me now turn it back to Frank for questions. Thank you, Mike. And that concludes our presentation for the second quarter. So we would now like to open the lines for questions. So Sue, if we get have the first question, please.
1: Thank you. Your first question is from the line of Gary Bisbee from BFA Securities. Please go ahead.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
4: Hey guys, good morning. Uh, encouraging set of results here. I, I guess a couple of things stood out to me. The first I wanted to ask is just, you talked about having had the strongest half, uh, first half bookings in a while, and yet... You know, a lot of the investments and change you're making to improve the user experience and improve, you know, and innovate around the products haven't really taken hold yet. So what what's driving? Are there any sort of either big areas of success or, or themes you're seeing that are driving those strong new bookings? Yeah, I, uh, Gary, thanks for the question. Uh, I, I'd say two things, and I'm sure
3: Michael'll supplement. Um, so the first is, uh, you know, we've seen a, a – a pretty a gradual but pretty constant sort of improvement through um, the second quarter in the sentiment of our customers they've got they've got more confidence um, in making longer term investments in their own businesses um, and and so that I think has helped this the second having said that the last two weeks obviously there's been a bit of a shake of confidence but we, we don't see any impact on that so far um, on that on our businesses um, I think the second thing is, you know, the seven growth initiatives that we called out at our investor day. We're starting to see, I think, the green shoots from from those investments and the focus on those areas, um, and uh, and we're increasingly optimistic about uh, about those, those those growth initiatives.
6: Gary, uh, yeah, I would just supplement with a little additional uh, granularity in regards to the seven strategic initiative. Uh, practical law, which is split between legal professionals and corporates, as I mentioned. Uh, 10% organic growth uh, in the second quarter. Uh, government risk, fraud, and compliance, which I mentioned, uh, 8% uh, organic growth in the second quarter, and that business is driving to, to nearly $500 million for the full year. Uh, confirmation that we acquired in July of 19, along with HiQ in July of 19, continued to perform uh, very well. Uh, confirmation part of the overall audit offerings that we discussed uh, during investor uh, day. Gary, you mentioned in regards to the bookings, very pleased with the overall uh, net sales for the first and second quarter of this year across the board, including within our corporates business. Corporates was up 4% in the second quarter as we go into Q3, Q4. Based on the net sales improvement that we've seen in recent quarters there, we have high confidence that corporates will accelerate uh, into Q3, uh, Q4, Uh, but very pleased with the overall performance of our sales and account management teams uh, in the first half of the year here. Great, thanks. And then the quick,
4: the quick follow-up, just what changed in your thinking around the buybacks? Obviously, that's a very positive announcement and, and a sort of a change from how you framed it historically. And, and should we you know, read into that any less optimism around near-term M&A potential? Thank you. Uh,
6: optimism is as high as ever. Uh, Gary, we're very blessed and fortunate to have a lot of optionality in being able to balance both buybacks with also um, acquisitions. We continue – uh, to look at acquisitions primarily within our big three segments, so we are prepared, uh, ready and willing, Gary, to put additional capital to work uh, with acquisitions in the big three as we identify candidates that we are very comfortable with. But that has to include uh, candidates that we can certainly integrate very quickly uh, that meets the needs of our customers and accelerate um, our organic growth. But Gary, please do not read uh, buybacks as any less optimism, equal to higher
4: optimism, but we just have the ability to do both buybacks uh, and acquisitions, Gary.
1: Thank you, so your next question is from the line of Drew McReynolds of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
7: Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good morning. A couple of my questions uh, already answered out of the gate here. Um, Steve, just cutting it maybe slightly different and, and just looking for a, you know, probably a simple answer here. We, we've seen two consecutive increases in your 2021 outlook um, and, and both of those coming, you know, uh, a quarter after you provided the initial outlook. So with your kind of four drivers of growth here, um, you know, is there you know, one single driver here that is, is really lifting the trajectory. Um, and, and if there is one or two, um, th- does that just continue to lift, uh, as we kind of go forward here? Uh, and then second question, uh, just around, I guess, renewed COVID uh, impacts, um, last quarter, you talked about still some uncertainty internationally. Um, there's a little bit more uncertainty now, Domestically, here in, uh, in in North America, in particular the U.S., maybe talk to, um, you know, your working assumptions here as to what unfolds uh, in the back half of the year. Thank you.
3: Yeah. All right. Thanks, Drew. Um, so the the th- th- three parts of the question. Um, the four. The the first part. Um, we're not. The, the beauty of this uh, business is we're not unduly reliant on any one lever. So we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we've got strength across the big three, and within the big three we have, um, you know, m- multiple uh, growth bets. And so you know we're pleased with the trajectory we see against those growth bets. But we're not we're not unduly reliant on any one of them to fire to fire on all cylinders for us to um, us to achieve uh, or, or exceed our guidance going forward. Um, in terms of the you know your question, will things continue to lift? Um we you know, we're now six months into the change program. As as we are Mike and I outlined in our in our comments, we're we are happy with the start that we've made. But having said that, um, you know, the next six months will be crucial in our execution. So we're very focused on on, on that execution, uh, led by Kirsty Roth and, and Andrew Pierce and, and people across uh across our businesses. Um and so I, I would say you know, let, let's let's focus on that. Let's get through that before we um, shift our gaze to to sort of further lifts and further optimism. Um, what we're trying to do is fundamentally reinvent the customer experience. Um, to your to your point, we've still got an awful lot of work to do to 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 get to that. But we are very optimistic that in success, it's going to create uh, much higher customer satisfaction and give us the ability to uh, grow our business in, in, in compelling and interesting ways. Um, and then in terms of the um, the, the sort of uncertainty around uh, COVID and the Delta variant, um, you know, we, we saw the impacts of COVID on our business in 2020, you know, particularly um, uh, Reuters events, uh, that the, the ship and build holds in print and softness in transactional. Um, in 2021, we've seen strength, uh, you know, in a rebound in all of those areas. And and so I think, you know, as we go forward, we're we're sort of cautiously optimistic that things will continue to improve. But certainly, when we talk to our colleagues in places like Brazil, India, Indonesia, we don't see any improvement yet. So we're keeping our expectations appropriately modest there. uh, And we're watching very carefully as to what happens in the United States and if things continue to open up and confidence continues to to increase or or if there's a, uh, a pause. Uh, In in that improvement but as we sit here today um, you know we're 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 confident that 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 our products and solutions will be more relevant uh, and more valuable to our customers across the big three in a um, in no matter what environment they move
4: to but particularly in a sort of hybrid more flexible working environment that's great thank you
1: Thank you. Your next question is from the line of Kevin McVee, Credit Suisse. Please go ahead.
5: Great. Um, I actually wanted to start with just extending our sympathies to your loss and congratulate you folks on the results. Um, hey, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, change programs, specifically as it relates to kind of the cloud conversion and how we should think about that within the context of the retention specifically within legal, Steve, if we could, because I think there's a real big opportunity, you know, kind of mid-down market on the legal side. So just how are we thinking about that um, in terms of retention around those initiatives? And are you starting to see the signs of that already, just given the strength you've already seen in legal? Is that the strength of the clients relative to the last cycle? Is that product, is that change program? Maybe just help us understand, because obviously really, really nice outcome on the legal side.
3: Yeah, Um, so uh, just as a reminder, in terms of our cloud uh, migration, we we started the year at 20% of our revenues uh, in the public cloud. Uh, We're now at 33, um, and and we're on track to get to our uh, stated target of uh, of 90% or more into 2023. So uh, on track from that perspective, and and credit to uh, our technology and operations (coughs) team, All of their hard work in in uh, in, in guiding us through that. Um, so you know, I, I think the the impacts um, uh, of that are just starting to be felt. So to, to your to your point, Kevin, um, within legal, I think the strength of our legal business is based on uh, a couple of things. Firstly, uh, Westlaw Edge, um, and secondarily, practical law. Um, Thirdly, high Q. Uh, So, in other words, our product bets are paying off and and we've applied a lot of talent and a lot of investment to those product bets and it's paying off and we continue and and we plan to continue uh, that focus and that level of investment in those key uh, bets. Firstly. Secondly, I think we're seeing, you know, a very vibrant legal market, particularly in the United States. If you speak with the heads of law firms, they'll talk about, you know, a shortage of, of associates um, you know their biggest challenge is hiring talent and meeting the needs uh, of their customers scheduling the meetings and the calls that they have with their clients um, so there's there's a there's a pretty robust level of activity going across mid um, uh, <clears throat> mid and, and, and large firms I don't think that the impact of of the change program and the improvement in customer experience has been felt in legal yet we're just at the start and so I think that is as I said earlier, that requires great execution for us, and we're very focused on that. Uh, and we're cautiously optimistic that that once we execute, we'll see some uh, we'll see some upside benefits.
6: Yeah, hey, Kevin, I would supplement in addition to the cloud conversion being an enabler for our, our retention. By the way, uh, legal's overall retention was slightly over 90% uh, year to date. The, the digital work that we're doing, uh, including uh, David Wong, Karen Stroop's um, areas there also help us, Kevin, especially within small law. I think as you're aware, uh, we have lower retention in uh, small law, higher retention in the global law led by uh, Bill Sternthal, Westlaw 94-95%. So the combination, as Steve mentioned, cloud conversion, digital omnichannel work that we're doing, um, optimistic that we'll see the improvement in retention. I've stated in prior calls that we're forecasting 100 basis points for total TR um, over the time horizon.
5: Certainly, remain confident with that. Great, and then just real quick a follow-up: um, the buyback. Um, does, does Woodbridge participate in that, or it'll be open market, or just you know? It, it sounds like you also referenced a 10b-5, Mike, at one point. But just any thoughts in terms of clarity on on, on, on the buyback? Uh, sure, Kevin. Certainly,
6: uh, Woodbridge will have the opportunity to participate, just like um, all shareholders. And, and Woodbridge has, has always been a great shareholder and great supporter of ours. So, they have the opportunity
4: to participate. Uh, uh, Kevin.
5: Thanks so much. Great job. Uh-huh.
1: Thank you. Your next call is from the line of Andrew Steinerman, J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead.
7: Hi all. Um, I, I heard the Westlaw Edge penetration numbers for the quarter and and for the year end. I wasn't sure if I heard the Westlaw Edge uh, revenue organic revenue growth contribution to legal. I remember in the past that's been like 100 basis points to to legal. Um, you know, how long do you think Westlaw Edge could uh, continue to add at this rate? And maybe make a mention about the Westlaw Edge product roadmap. You know, as you add more modules, will that uh, be additional revenues for current Westlaw Edge customers?
6: Hey, uh, Andrew, a uh, great series of questions there. Uh, 57% ACV penetration as of June 30th. Uh, Forecast that, uh, very confident, will be in the 60-65% to by year-end. That continues into 2022. <clears throat> we uh, well, Before we uh, peek out there, as we approach the latter part of 2022, uh, Andrew, I would anticipate us launching what we refer to internally as Westlaw Edge uh, 2.0. Uh, that's the next version of Westlaw Edge. Andy Martins briefly referenced it during the March uh, Investor Day, but 100%, uh, 100 basis points a uh, lift in the second quarter, which is consistent with what we've been seeing, uh, Andrew, in prior quarters there. So no, no change there. We anticipate that continuing for several more quarters. And we think uh, Westlaw Edge 2.0 can help continue with that momentum. So we do not see any decrease uh, in Westlaw overall in the midterm time horizon, and we're very confident there. We, uh, Steve and I, were in Minneapolis, St. Paul with uh, Andy Martins, David Wong, uh, Mike Dane
4: recently, and making good progress on Westlaw Edge 2.0. Well said. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Your next question is from the line of Tony Kaplan of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead.
8: Thank you. Um, corporates was a little bit lighter than I was expecting, and I think there's still a way to go to get to the 7 and to 9% target that you mentioned. Um, you mentioned ex- that corporates will accelerate in the back half of the year. So just maybe what's going on in corporates and what are the main drivers that are going to help it accelerate and get up to the target level by 23
3: yeah thanks uh, thanks tony thanks for the question so um j- just by way of context you know in the, in the sort of history of Thomson reuters cor- corporates as a as a distinct segment is is a relative newcomer uh, and so i think it's fair to say that when uh sunil pandita the president of corporate stepped into that role uh, in december of last year you know it's it's in, in the context of our big three, it's something of a startup. Um, and so he's been working hard on uh, a number of things. But the first is, I think he's assembled a world-class team, um, pulling together a bunch of folks with extensive experience at, at, at TR with with some uh, very, very talented newcomers from um, uh, predominantly software uh, environments. Um, secondarily, he, he and that team have spent the last six months uh, prioritizing uh, the the, the, the big areas of, of opportunity within corporates and serving general councils and heads of tax and heads of risk, um, and we see, uh, I think, some, some pretty um, significant growth opportunities, which is reflected uh, not only in our in our second half uh, projections, but also our outlook for the for the next couple of years. And they include indirect tax and the recently announced uh, partnership with with Oracle. Um, they also uh, uh, this also includes the um, increased penetration of some of the, the the key legal products like west law and practical law to the general counsel's offices and then last but certainly not least uh our, our risk fraud and compliance business which which previously has been more focused on government agencies uh, through steve Rugley and his team we see a pretty big opportunity to better serve the heads of risk risk and compliance within within corporations with with clear and and trss and, and, and some of the other products we have there so all of that adds up to the accelerating growth rate that you see um, in, uh, in in our commentary.
8: Great. also wanted to ask about what you're seeing in terms of your own hiring. Uh, we've heard from some of the other info services companies that turnover is maybe a little bit higher right now because of the better labor market. So just in terms of what are you seeing in terms of voluntary turnover and ease of finding good people? Thanks.
4: Yeah,
3: Tony. So what, one of the things that I'm, um, I, I think, very proud of in our, uh, you know, in our in our last eighteen months or so, it has been our ability to attract world class talent. You know, we we, we have an objective um, to 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 create uh, the best team in business information services, and and we've started that journey. Um, our most recent uh, addition to the team was Sarah Wilkinson, who's our uh, Chief Information Officer. Uh, She joined uh, from uh, NHS Digital, where she was uh, previously the CEO. And and Sarah's the latest in a a long line of, of, I think, great new talent that we've added to the existing uh, long-tenured TR bench of talent. So um, just, you know, as I I look at that vital sign of, are are we getting the people that we need and want um, externally? uh, I think the answer is, is yes. I think secondarily, is our talent development a new talent development um, approach, working for uh, uh, existing TR talent, and I, and I think I'd give a cautious yes to that. With more work to go, we are seeing um, up and down our uh, organisation an uptick in in, uh, in in attrition, in voluntary attrition. Uh, the, market, the the labour market is hot, uh, and of course the virtual the working um, virtual working environment, I think, has given people not only at TR but across the industry. Uh, a little, it's broadened their aperture a little bit in terms of the, the kinds of opportunities that they're prepared to to entertain and the types of calls they're prepared to take. So we, we are remaining very vigilant, um, you know, to, to, to make sure that, that attrition doesn't become a problem for us. Uh, it's not today. It's ticked up, but it's still manageable,
4: and we'll, uh, we'll put in place all the measures we need to to ensure that that stays the case.
8: Perfect. Thank you.
1: Your next question is from the line of George Tom Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead.
9: Hi, thanks. Good morning. Uh, you're seeing very good traction with your change program with respect to efficiency gains and benefits to the top line as well. Just wanted to um, explore the potential for margins longer term. Certainly, you you have the 2023 targets out there for, for EBITDA margins. Um, that that were reiterated, but as you think longer term, where do you think overall corporate EBITDA margins can can trend to, uh, with given your uh, uh, progress so far with change initiatives?
4: Yeah, George, we're certainly
6: remaining very confident in regards to the guidance that we've provided for 22 and for 23. So for 2023, it's 38 to 40 percent. We remain very confident on that. Uh, we're not prepared today, Dave uh, George, to talk about twenty four or twenty five there. I would just say, as we go into twenty four, uh, we should certainly see continued uh, sustainability, some potential increases, given the operating uh, leverage um, that we have in our business. Um as discussed before, once we hit that three uh, percent organic growth, which we are, the operating leverage kicks in, given that about sixty to sixty five percent of our costs are, are fixed in nature. So, Uh, We'll we'll focus on 22, 23 guidance uh, now, George. Understood. And then,
9: uh, let me be a follow-up question on the corporate side. Um, You you talked about various drivers to accelerate the growth to uh, to your longer-term targets, and uh, uh, for by by 2023 of seven to nine percent. As you think about cross-selling, how big of a lever is that? Cross-selling legal and tax and accounting within corporates um, in terms of uh, your goal of getting to that 2023 target? How big of a driver is cross-selling?
4: Yeah, before I address the
6: cross-sell question, I would just uh, supplement Tony's question previously that Steve addressed. One of the reasons we have optimism with our Q3, uh, Q4 uptick in corporate's uh, overall organic revenue is the underlying book of business that we've built uh, in Q1, Q2. So the net sales... Uh, performed really well in the first half half of the year. In regards to cross-sale, George, we are at the early stage, the early innings right now in cross-sale. We are optimistic there, especially uh, with Sunil Pendente. as Steve mentioned earlier uh, in the chair, about seven or eight months now. So, we still believe we have uh, good optimism in regards to accelerating. It's a relatively small portion now. For total TR, about 15% of our gross sales are generated via cross-sale activity comparable within corporate, so we have significant uh, opportunity over the time horizon to generate more cross-sell activity, and that's something that Sunil was working with David Wong and Sean Mahalter in product and engineering uh, to ensure that as we enhance our products and build new products, that they will uh, enhance our opportunities for, for further cross-sell.
3: Yeah, George, the other thing I'd add to that is, is you know, the that- we're excited about the the possibilities that will accrue to TR from the uh, partnership, and uh, you know, it's a learning experience for us. It's, it's partnerships are not something that the company's done a lot of in the past, um, and we're cautiously optimistic that, that with those learnings, we can uh, both
6: expand that relationship and consider others in different parts of our of our product set. Yeah, and George, just yeah. one final point. Uh, Steve. Steve mentioned us uh, Sarah Wilkinson, uh, Kirstie, Andrew, others working on the change program. A core component thereof is expanding our salesforce.com, getting common instances there of, uh, of Salesforce. Yeah, that will certainly help. Uh, if you think about the infrastructure and underlying business systems,
4: that just makes it easier for um, our go-to-market teams led by Brian Peccarelli to drive sell Great. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you. So your next question is from the line of keep doing the TD Securities. Please go ahead.
9: I assume that's for me. Can you guys hear me? Yes.
6: Yes, yes we can. Vince, right, we can I, you, yeah.
9: It's Vince um, Valentini. So uh, first off, congrats on the results and the share price today. I assume a new all-time high will help with that employee retention that you were talking about earlier. Um, my question really is, is quite simple. There's a ton of optimism in the results here and in your in your commentary so far uh, to, to several of the questions, uh, whether it's Westlaw edge traction, whether it's the improvement in corporates, I mean, across the board. Is, is there a reason you're not increasing your 2023 targets yet? Is that just simply saying that's still a ways off and you want to be conservative? I, mean, I have to assume there's an upward bias to to those targets now unless there's some unforeseen sort of macro negative event between now and then is is that a fair conclusion
4: yeah
6: vince i, I would address it as follows you know our optimism is balanced with the reality that we have to execute like hell every day and we have to win every day but that's our approach today and that's going to be our approach tomorrow uh, we're not going to take anything for granted and we, we have to earn it so there are a lot of quarters between now and 2023 so you know we're confident in our team but we also are grounded in the reality that we have a lot of work to do with our change program uh, as Steve referenced earlier in the rest of this year and into 2022. Uh, so what I would say Vince is we, we reaffirm uh, we're very confident today in our 2023 and we'll provide an update in February on 22 and 23. So we're going to continue to, to work our change program. We're going to work on accelerating the top line. We're going to work on improving our customer experience and, we take care of our employees and we take care of our customers, Uh, I think our confidence level in 2023 uh,
4: will just continue to increase, would be my viewpoint, Vince. I'll leave it there. Thanks. Indeed. Operator, we'd like to take one final
2: question, please.
1: Thank you. Your final question is from the line of Tim Casey, BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
9: Yeah, two for me. Can we just revisit the, um, the change in uh, the buyback um, uh, messaging? I mean, it, it, Mike, you've been pretty consistent that you, you wanted to retain a certain level of float and whatnot. Just if you could walk us through um, what, how your thinking has changed there and, and, and what we uh, investors should think about in terms of how much you plan to execute on, uh, on the buyback program. And second one for you, Steve, um, one of the levers you haven't talked about is is pricing power. Um, could you just from a high level, maybe walk us through your thinking on that in terms of how that factors in, um, in, in terms of your organic growth assumptions? Thanks.
6: Yeah, Tim, let me focus on the first question first. I'm gonna give you a, a two part answer first. Historically, we've talked about uh, 70% being an important threshold uh, in regards for Woodbridge ownership. Uh, Prior to today's uh, announcement on the backpack, 66% ownership by Woodbridge, and we've talked about maintaining it at at around 70%. Based on our recent analysis, a a different way to look at it is the availability of public float. Given that our market cap now exceeds uh, $50 million, uh, working with our outside advisors, they feel like $10 $10 billion billion of uh, public float. Um, is really a sufficient amount. So right now we have 20 billion, so that gives us great confidence in being able to do the 1.2 billion today, uh, Tim. And we can certainly consider more um, if the board agrees over the time horizon. Certainly balancing that with M&A. So I think it's the combination, uh, Tim, of that kind of 70% threshold that we've discussed in the past, but also balancing that with the availability of public float, which exceeds uh, 20 billion today, and and our advisors uh, believe that we are in a very good position uh, to be able to do additional buybacks uh, like today, Tim.
3: And then, Tim, the second part of your question with regard to pricing, you know, as you, as you know, we we have a good uh, uh, you know a, a good record of uh, getting price <clears throat> as appropriate, as particularly as we add new features and functionality to our to our products. Um, the Change Program is about transforming the customer experience, uh, and we're, we're more focused on improving our retention, on taking opportunities where they exist uh, around cross-sell, as Mike uh, outlined, and, uh, and growing the number
4: of net new customers. We're more focused on those levers than we are on price. Thank you.
2: Okay, hey, well that will be our final question and we'll conclude our call. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. Have you do any follow-ups that you may have and uh, look forward to speaking with you over the course of the next couple of months um, when we report to you three in early November. Have a good day.
1: Thank you all of the presenters and thank you everyone for joining. That concludes your call. Please disconnect your lines and enjoy the rest of your day.